Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, bringing you expert insight on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture, and helping you navigate the Emerging Europe region. Hosted by Andrew Robel. Remember to visit the show's page, emerging-europe.com forward slash multimedia, or check the hashtag EETalks on social media. Welcome back to Emerging Europe Talks Sustainable Impact. My name is Andrew Robel, and uh, we're here to talk about the perma crisis or poly crisis, as it has been recently referred to. We're talking about this continuous situation of stumbling from one shock to another, be it a global pandemic, inflation, or political instability, or a war as which we are facing right now. And today I am joined by Adam Krasson, uh, CEO of PwC in Central and Eastern Europe, who is going to make some sense out of the current circumstances. Adam, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's great to be here. Perfect. Thank you so much. So what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to start with, is actually the recent 26th annual global CEO survey that PwC recently released just a, a few weeks ago. Can you tell us what CEOs in Central and Eastern Europe think about perspectives for global and regional economic growth? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think it's a good source of data, actually, information uh, to talk about, because it's not just only about the uh, CEOs in Central Eastern Europe, but I think because we have a global survey, over 4,400 CEOs globally in over 100 countries, I think we have a perfect opportunity to compare, actually, what CEOs in CE, in CE think with other parts of the world, which is probably even, even for some reason, maybe even more interesting. What we think actually uh, about the prospects for, for global and national economic, that would be the question number one. And unfortunately, we have a, a very sharp reversal actually of opinions from last year. Mm -hmm. Last year, we had probably the most optimistic survey because we had almost over 70% of CEOs, both actually in CE and globally, uh, foreseeing a, a big improvement in global growth. This year, we have a sharp reversal and uh, pretty much the same percentage, over 70% of CEOs think about uh, economic more pessimistic, in a more pessimistic way. They think there will be no growth or there will be a slowdown in global economic growth over the next uh, 12 months. And of course, the last year optimism was driven by, by the waning of the global pandemic, but everything, the whole optimism was dashed in 2022 due to shocks in um, resulting from Russia's invasion of Ukraine and then surging energy energy prices, commodity prices, high inflation, inflation and etc. So, I mean, that's probably the obvious reasons uh, well known already. But, but what's important, I, I'm referring to projections in terms of global economic growth. But when we ask the same question, when we ask CEOs the same question, but not about global economic growth, but about national economic growth. So when we ask them about what they think about their own countries, territories, they're still quite pessimistic, but the level of pessimism is a bit lower. It's, it's mm. still about 60, 60%, but in comparison with global, I mean, it's a bit better. 
And what's even more important, more interesting, when we ask the same group about what they think about their own company's growth, then, I mean, that's for me is a bit of a surprise, but they are actually quite optimistic. I mean, much more optimistic hmm. than they view about macroeconomics, because majority of them, I mean, majority, I mean, for almost 50% of them think that they will do fine. Of course, they are much in control in terms of thinking about, you know, all companies. But that's, for me, a bit of, of a contrast between thinking about macroeconomics in a probably very pessimistic way, but much more optimistic way about own companies' prospects over the next 12 months. Why do you think it is so? Because it sounds a little bit contradictory. I mean, obviously, the you know, their, their company's situation is very much linked to whatever is happening in the local economy and even more so if there are international companies to, in the global economy. Yeah, that, that's actually a very good question. And I'm not sure I have uh, all the answers. But, but I think, first of all, as I said, they think they, they are more directly in control mm-hmm. and are probably thinking about what they can do what actions they can implement actually at their own company's level to improve the situation despite the quite gloomy macroeconomic perspectives. And probably for me, that's the main reason that they, can, they think they can maneuver more, they can, mm. they can have more control. And still, despite the quite gloomy macroeconomic climate, they can, they can do quite well. And of course, they are thinking about different actions. We can talk about it later, uh, depending on industry, but depending on, on, on company they can do to kind of mitigate a bit the macro, macroeconomic prospects. But also, as we know, you know, a lot of great companies that have been out there for quite some time actually grew significantly during a crisis. So could you tell me what sort of opportunities, growth opportunities, these CEOs actually see right now? And I'm talking about both globally and regionally. When it comes to thinking about ex- growth opportunities or expansion opportunities, I think there is one main quite clear theme, a different one than than in the past. At least thinking about the the surveys we ran in the past, we have a, we see a quite clear difference this year. One, but the main difference is that because of the geopolitical risk, I think many more companies, CEOs are thinking about expansion or building business relationship closer to home than before. So they are thinking less globally, more regionally or locally, I would say. And saying that they are thinking about both ex- in this way, they are thinking about it in this way, both from expansion opportunities or also from a perspective of shortening and strengthening supply chains, mm-hmm. which is also very important. And, and this is not just because of geopolitics and the high uh, and, and the, the new risks, connected with, with the war, but also with experiences, recent experiences they, they had uh, connected with, uh, with a pandemic and, and big issues, mm-hmm. supply chain issue they experienced over the last two, two, two three years. But that's the kind of maybe high-level statement. When we, when we go into details and when you look at the, the data, the thinking about expansion, the CEOs from uh, CE, they list number one on i mean 46 40, over 40 percent of them point out to germany which is i mean by far germany pointed out as number one market uh, from actually both op- options to to expand operations and i think to some extent it may be connected with the fact that we have in c we have more and more local businesses mm-hmm. 
which already doing for many years quite well in own countries and also in the region. And we are looking for new expansion opportunities beyond sea. And Germany is, is kind of, for many of them, kind of natural number one market to try to expand. Then when we look at the results, number two and number three, we have U.S. and China, 19% indicated U.S. and 12% of CEOs from C indicated as two countries as, as potential expansion uh, territories. But then there is a long list, uh, at least probably 10 countries from Europe. Mm-hmm. So coming back to this point about nearshoring or looking for opportunities closer to our market, it's quite clear trend that Europe is kind of high on the agenda. And then when we go deeper, we can see that in the past, uh, UK was quite high. Mm-hmm. But, but I think because of Brexit, UK, UK slipped. Dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we have like after Germany, US, China, then Italy, France, UK is number seven. And then number of other smaller territories uh, like uh, Hungary. I mean, Hungary not so small, but, but smaller territories on the south of Europe they still are good sources of well-educated, talented people, and they fight for new shoring opportunities, for kind of mm-hmm. be able to, to provide services to, well, to global entities, actually, in this part of the world. So that's probably the, the picture in terms of expansion and, of, I mean, growth from a both expansion perspective and, and new shoring in terms of shortening and strengthening supply chains. Do you also see companies or CEOs from Central and Eastern Europe seeing opportunities, growth opportunities within the region, within the broader Central and Eastern Europe? Yes, I think, as I mentioned, many of them uh, first think about success in local territory, mm-hmm. in a local market. But then, of course, the next step is CE before they go west. Okay, And that's clear. And when we look at the statistics, the results, actually, the survey was was uh, performed already in a very volatile geo- geopolitical climate, but still Ukraine, Serbia, Hungary, Czech Republic, Albania, they are quite uh, high on the list uh, as places for expansion and nearshoring, mm-hmm. and nearshoring in terms of you know supply chain uh, objectives. So uh, yes, that's uh, I mean it's not just about Western Europe; it's about also countries within C. Which is actually very refreshing because we want to see more sort of regional collaboration happening within Central and Eastern Europe. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> what about threads? What do the uh, CEOs say that might actually be a danger for their own businesses, but also for the macroeconomic situation in the region? Yeah, and that, that was actually another very interesting question. I mean, it's, we always every ask this question, but of course, this year, we have quite a different set of answers. Because of obvious reasons. Number one, now even the, without distinguishing between sea and, and global and responses from other territories, probably top three in terms of threats, major threats, top three at least is the same. So number one is inflation. And of course, it's quite obvious, geopolitical conflict, higher energy prices. So inflation is number one. Then we have geopolitical conflict. And number three is macroeconomic volatility, uncertainty. And I think that's top three global. But when you look at the next level, quite inter- you can observe quite a few interesting differences. Inflation is ranked as number one risk threat by 55% of CEOs from CE. And 
by 40% CEOs from our territory. So quite a big difference, 15% difference between the two, two groups. Why? Because when you look at the inflation data, when you look, for example, at the Eurostat data published in December 22, we can see big, quite significant differences in inflation rates. So we have, we have a number of territories in sea, like Hungary, Baltics, with an in annual inflation rate above 20%. Which is quite unusual, actually, for countries outside sea. That's why in many territories outside sea, this is still number one issue, because for many, many mature economies, inflation close to 10% is a new phenomenon after a few decades without inflation. But of course, risk is perceived a bit differently. And also geopolitical conflict. In sea, 43% of CEOs indicated as a, as, a, as a major risk. Globally, 25%. Another, I mean, quite a big gap. We mm. still perceive it as an issue, as a threat. But of course, here in sea, we have a conflict, we have a war in one of our territories. So perception is, uh, is different. So besides the three uh, key risks, then when you look at the longer list, number four, both at the sea level and global level, have cyber risks. Cyber mm. was always quite high. In, when you look at the recent years and the results, cyber was top three. Now it's a bit lower because, of course, the historical conflict, inflation, macroeconomic volatility, but it's still quite high. And then number five is climate change, around 10% or slightly above 10%, both actually globally and at the sea level. So that's probably top five. That's the picture we can observe in terms of major threats to business. Some of these threats are sort of short term and others are more long term, like cybersecurity, like uh, climate change. These are more long term. If we look at the region, what other sort of long term threats do you actually see or do the COC see in the region? And are we actually tackling them at the moment? When you think about long term, I think I would think about two main block of issues or two main issues, risks. Number one, I think, is potential shortages of, of skilled labor. That would be number one, mentioned by many CEOs in the past. We still, I think, talking to, to many clients in CE or talking to some other PwC leaders from Western Europe, I would take it and say that this is definitely a long-term risk for us, but we are probably in a bit better position than in some countries in the Western Europe. I mean, the, the more developed markets probably may face even bigger bigger issue. That's my, my feeling. So definitely that's number one from a long-term perspective. Number two, I think, is changing customer preferences. And I think connected with that is overall technological disruption, advanced technologies overall, artificial intelligence, uh, all the other aspects, uh, metaverse, etc. All the risks connected with that are indicated by almost 50% of respondents, both globally and uh, at CE. What's actually the most interesting thing for me when I think about this year, say, in connection with our discussion about technology is there's a question, there was a question actually about a need for transformation. The question was formulated in a very good way. I mean, if, if your company continues running on its current path using the current operating model, for how long do you think your business will be economically 
viable. viable. Mm-hmm. And there were two options. One option was to assess this kind of, so to, to answer this question from perspective of the, uh, the, the next 10 years and the second option beyond 10 years. And actually, 45 or between 45 and 50 percent of respondents indicated that their businesses will not be economically viable within 10 years if they don't transform the business model or overall if they don't Mm -hmm. transform their businesses and it's it's to great extent connected with the whole technological transformation we're observing going on i mean overall on the market Mm -hmm. but then when when we go and ask them what happens beyond 10 first 10 years the responses are even more interesting because almost 60 percent of ceos think we have to change we have to transform significantly to be economically viable. And that's probably the first time we see such a bold statement, mm. how quickly businesses change in the current environment, especially in relation to customer, I mean, to changing because of technology, not only because of technology, huge and, and significant changes in, in customer preferences. And as a result, obvious need to think about new business model from business perspective. But it's great that these companies, the CEOs are actually aware of the fact that they need to transform their businesses. I wanted to also ask you about resilience because, you know, if we look back at the last couple of years, especially since the beginning of, or, or at the beginning of the pandemic, well, three years ago, roughly, do you think that businesses, companies have become more resilient? And uh, if yes, how does that manifest itself? The pace of technological change we can observe for a number of years. For the last 10 years, we are observing for many years, actually, many different changes and, and quite significant changes in different industries or disruption between industries, etc. But I would say companies had time to adopt. But, but at the same time, when you look at the last three years, we had a major disruption because of pandemic mm-hmm. and major need in many businesses to change the model quite significantly. And, and that's my base, that's my, I think, uh, logic to say that we are becoming, I mean, many companies are becoming more and more resilient because they managed to survive through the last major change connected with the need to change because of pandemic and, and because of a need to change, in many cases, business model. And it means, in most cases, major technological transformation. So I think, Yes, they are more resilient. But at the same time, you said it's good that CEOs are thinking about it, also are aware about the change. Mm-hmm. And there was a question in the survey, actually, this year, first time we included such a question about, you know, to what extent CEOs think about this kind of long-term perspective versus dealing with uh, day-to-day businesses. And what's actually quite interesting, and, and I can observe it, thinking about myself and my, my day-to-day duties, but I think majority of CEOs are fully aware that they should think long-term. They have to think long-term. They have to think about new business models and transformations. But at the same time, the common answer is they don't have enough time to do it. <laughs> Why? They are still kind of deep in day-to-day issues. Why? I mean, this is just from myself now, not based on the data, but, but I think we, everything, we have so many, when you look at the last few years, pandemic, a lot of changes happening very quickly, 
over a very short period of time. Now we have, a, in this part of the region, we have a war, we have a high inflation, we have high energy prices. And as a result, pressure to transform, to look for cheaper, I mean, to, to reduce costs, opportunities to reduce costs, cheaper supplies, etc. So despite this full awareness about a, a need to change or transform businesses, there are so many things happening in the short run, but it's difficult to split properly the time from a kind of exact perspective between the long term mm-hmm. and everything what's happening. And we have to deal with immediately, basically. And what about sustainability? We mentioned climate change as one of the threats for CEOs in Central and Eastern Europe. But I would also like to look at ESG and perhaps not only, you know, the E element, but also the S and the G element. How do you see those three from a perspective of a CEO, if that makes sense? I think, to be honest, if you asked me this question a year ago or two years ago, I would say that most companies are fully aware mm-hmm. about the need to address sustainability, climate change, and, and, and all related topics, but not much action is taking place <laughs> for different reasons. I mean, of course, for many companies, the, the regulatory changes will be a driver yes. for major changes. But that would be my answer two years ago. Now, because of the war, many things change. Of course, when we ask about the major threats, we see that, of course, we, and that's probably proof in the answers, in the results of a survey, everybody first thinks about inflation, microeconomic uncertainty, geopolitics, etc. But at the same time, so the ESG element is a bit more at the bottom, but at the same time, it's at the top. Why? Because huge increases in energy prices made us all very aware that we have to accelerate, actually, the whole path to green energy and to, diff- to, to alternative energy sources. And actually, despite the kind of short-term shock because of inflation and war and everything else, now I think everybody is thinking what to do to contribute to, to a change. And that's a kind of a positive maybe this gloomy, a bit gloomy outcome uh, of a survey was a positive change, but I think there will be quite a big acceleration in terms of ESG. I mean, we're excluding G in terms of sustainability and, and uh, investments in, uh, in new, especially energy sources, a kind of cleaner one. Do you think that we're starting, because like I said, in a lot of cases, we, we think about the E element or environmental, but the S and the G are kind of, have always been a little bit behind. Do you think that we are starting to think, we, well, we're talking about the CEOs uh, here, are they starting to think that perhaps the G and the S is also becoming important? I think it's absolutely, I think we, we think that they're important as well at the same time. So I think they are connected. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about governance, I think even from a regulatory perspective, we have all the new regulations coming from the EU perspective. I mean, we are driven in, in, in most cases by the EU, a change of legislation at the EU level. So even, as like I said, two years ago, I would be more careful. Now, I think uh, we are much more aware and the regulations people were talking about two years ago as something as a potential driver for change. Now, the regulations are already in place or will be in place very quickly in the short term. And I think everybody will be doing something about it. So it's not just about awareness, but actual actions. Okay, 
maybe I, I'm a bit too negative saying that in some cases, the actions are more driven by regulations, but still they are driven by something. Yes. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs and, and business owners, companies, CEOs in Central and Eastern Europe? Looking at the survey data, looking at the responses to a question about the threats, risks, um, short and long term, I, I think number one topic I'm observing CEOs are dealing with, I'm talking about CE mainly now, this part of the world, mm -hmm. is how to protect revenues. Because the inflation is so high in many countries, close to in some countries above 20%, I think number one topic is what to do to make sure that from a business perspective, the inflation, high inflation is reflected in prices and in protecting revenue. Mm -hmm. So that's one topic number one. Of course, we need uh, to make sure that we keep a balance uh, because we cannot transfer all the, all the bad things to end customers. but but. Unfortunately, that's the business logic. That's topic number one. Topic number two is, of course, control of costs. And most, uh, I mean, many CEOs in the survey, 50%, I think 50, almost 50, 40% are thinking about controlling better operating costs, looking for alternative delivery uh, suppliers, uh, for cheaper suppliers, for looking for transformation to make their businesses more relevant from a technological point of view, that's probably uh, absolutely number two and, and topic number three. But what's interesting when advising about controlling costs or, or even looking at the CEO results and, and, and knowing that we have CEOs uh, thinking about operating reduction in operating costs, one thing is clear that operating costs do not include employees' costs. Mm -hmm. I think that, that's very clear that thinking long-term, thinking that some of those issues are, are short-term. Uh, sooner or later, I, I hope inflation will be under control. We'll have more stability in terms of macroeconomics and, and geopolitics in the region. Thinking long-term, we have to take care about people because we will have uh, issues with skilled workforce. And we cannot now, in the short-term, save too much on people. And actually, when you look at the survey results, that's very clear because not many CEOs are thinking about reducing the workplace. I mean, there will be a freezing on new employment, that's for sure, but, but this is not about reduction. And in actually both at sea level and globally, only 10% or less are thinking about reduction in, in remunerations, which, I mean, it has another proof that if you want to be in the game long term, first think about employees, skilled employees, well-educated employees, especially knowing that uh, going forward we'll be relying so much on very advanced uh, technologies to, and quick changes of business models for many industries and, and businesses. So one piece of advice would be to definitely continue investing in your team. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. That's probably number one advice not to save on investment in team because we, because short term it's quite easy, but we, it can be very painful long term. When answering one of my questions, you mentioned the business logic, trying to protect revenues and so on. Do you think that perhaps now is the time to start maybe rethink the business logic here or and i'm talking about looking at this revenue focused approach 
a little bit differently? I think, yes. I mean, the business logic, the, the transformation of businesses, use of technologies, I, I think we're observing that, I mean, the big shift for already for the last two, three years because of pandemic and because of all the changes, but it will continue. It will continue because the pace of technical change is, is huge. I'm sure that we can apply many short-term tactics in terms of, you know, passing some inflation to customers, protecting revenue, thinking about controlling better costs, operating costs, but long-term, this is about transformation, implementation of new technologies and investing in teams. No mm-hmm. doubt. Adam, how can our listeners find out more about this year's uh, CEO survey results from Central and Eastern Europe and how can they get involved in the in the discussion? I think we publish all the results on our CE landing page. And of course, the results are also covered in feature on Emerging Europe. Thank you for that. On uh, 17th of March, we will have a PWCC. We'll have a webcast with our clients. We'll have a panel, nice panel with clients from uh, Central Eastern Europe, and we'll be covering the survey results. Uh, and we'll be also talking about all the other trends we, we can observe in economic, uh, on our markets in, in CE. So I invite all the listeners to, to join us 17 March. So just in a couple of days. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today and looking forward to reading the results of the next year's survey already. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me with you. Thank you all for listening. And we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com. Thank you.